If you have any topic suggestions that you'd like to hear more about or questions that you're hoping that we could maybe address on a future podcast, you can click the Get in Touch box right on our website at ktsmoneymatters.com. And the Hardworking Woman's Guide to Money, available either on our website, KT's Money Matters, or on Amazon. Or of course, you can find our link in the show notes. Working with your investments, retirement, insurance, estate or tax planning, or just dealing with everyday expenses, your money matters. Let KT Thomas help you make the most of it. This is KT's Money Matters. Long time ago when the earth was green And there was more kinds of animals than you'd ever seen They'd run around free while the earth was being born But the loveliest of them all was the unicorn Hey, it's KT Thomas back with KT's Money Matters. You got it. Today we are going to talk about unicorns. But not the kind of unicorns that the Irish Rovers talked about in their great song, which I remember... Uh, from my pub crawling days, but investment unicorns, of course. We're going to talk about Lyft and LinkedIn and Pinterest and companies like that and what the sightings of all these unicorns have to do with investing today. So as many of you might remember about unicorns, it used to be because they were so rare. In fact, they don't even exist, but this idea that they were hard to find and perhaps you could see one is what made them so interesting in myth, in song, and now in investing. I'll come back and talk more about today's unicorns and how you might think about them after the break. Old Noel was there to answer the call. He finished up making the ark. Your host, Katie Thomas, is the director of portfolio services at New Day Solutions, a firm offering expertise in retirement planning with more than 25 years of experience, dedicated to high net worth individuals, families, and business owners. We work with you to have a coordinated approach for your comprehensive investment goals, providing concierge service for all generations from a team who can see things from your side of the table. Go to NewDaySolutions.com for more information. And welcome back. I hope you liked my little Irish song. Let's talk a little bit more, though, about the kind of unicorns you might be more interested in if you're listening to this podcast. Let's talk about investment unicorns or unicorn companies. By the way, it's jargon that's thrown around all the time. It kind of reminds me about, like, internet companies in the 90s. Everything was called dot-com, and that made it valuable. Now they're all unicorns, and so you start to wonder, if there are so many unicorns, how can they all be really valuable? What happened that allowed private companies to grow at such a rapid rate where it's never been able to happen before so that by the time they come to market, they're already so incredibly valuable? We're going to break all that down. First, what is a unicorn? Well, a unicorn is a privately held company. So it's not public, you can't go buy it on the, on the stock market, that has a market value of a billion dollars or greater. 
In fact, they're growing so quick that we also even have a, a decacorn and a hectacorn for companies that are greater than 10 billion or 100 billion. Now, that's a really big company not to come to the public market. Usually, companies come to the public market so that they can get access to the kind of investment funds that only public investors can provide. After all, there are an awful lot of us running around buying an awful lot of things. So it used to be that private companies were pushed forward into the public marketing in order to get access to better fundraising and to diversify some of the money that they have invested in these companies that they started up, mostly started by a small group of people who have everything sunk into it and would like the chance to get a liquidity event, some of their money out. Now, sometimes it works really well, and sometimes it doesn't work really well. But I always think about, you know, these kind of years where it's kind of like, it's quote, a hot initial public offering market or a hot IPO market. And this year it's because there are so many, quote, unicorns coming to market. It's got investors kind of excited, but it also has investors a little concerned. Why are we excited? Well, some of these companies we've been hearing about for years, like Uber and Lyft and Pinterest, companies that we feel like we know really well, but have never had a chance to invest in. This new economy, e-commerce sharing companies, where we kind of want to get our foot into these kinds of businesses that as public investors, we've been lucked out of. At the same time, when many companies are coming forward into the public market, like they are right now, you kind of wonder why they're all coming right now. Now, I used to, they used to talk about like the pump and dump, this idea that you bring a company forward and you, you puff it up, puff it up, puff it up, and then you sell it into the marketplace and the price falls apart and investors who bought it at the initial public offering price lose money. And so it happens sometimes where the bank that's getting paid to price the option to buy it will, will, will misprice it because you know everybody wants to make as much money as possible. And then they have to actually find the price in the public market. So it's not unusual that the price of an IPO, initial public offering, will either go up or down and could go up or down a lot. So recently this year, we have already had Lyft and Pinterest go public. We've also had Zoom go public. Later this year, it looks like we'll have Uber go public. So what do you need to know about these companies? Well, market value isn't the same thing as profitability. That's probably the most important thing you want to know, is that many of these companies actually don't make any money yet. Now, with the right level of investment spend, they might have a business model that ultimately will grow, and then you start to get economies of scale. But just because something used to be private and it's now public and it's available to you doesn't mean that this is the time for you to buy it. In fact, statistically speaking, the best time to buy an IPO is six months after the offering. Why? I don't know. It's kind of anybody's guess, but I'll say a couple of things. One is the price in the beginning is always exciting. And sometimes that means that people will bid up the price trying to get access to something. Second the original investors are often restricted about how much of their stock they can sell in the early period. And by the early period, typically it's the first year to two years, especially for senior executives, where they're limited as to how much of their stock they can put out on the market at any given time. This helps create stability in the stock price. But of course you, buying some shares in your brokerage account of Lyft, wouldn't know that. The other thing is sometimes they can get the price just wrong. 
So they'll come out and tell you where they think they're going to price it. It's called a red herring. Then they'll come out again, maybe modify that price and get investors wedded to the idea that the price could go out for a certain dollar amount in a certain range. But then it's really not priced till the night before it goes public or even the morning that it goes public so that investors can buy, not usually at that market price, but somewhere in there if they act quickly. Um, or, and sometimes it just goes hot, hot, hot right away, meaning the stock price could go up 10 or 15 or 20%, and then you have to pay that markup in order to get in. So first, let's talk about the rarity of the unicorn and why it's not so rare anymore that these companies are significantly bigger coming to market today than they were even 10 years ago. Now, I would say to you that I think the number one reason why is the cheap money of borrowing. So companies have been able to borrow, private investors have been able to borrow at incredibly low rates, lowest rates of my lifetime, certainly, and make investments into these companies with dollars borrowed at a very low rate. And it's allowed those companies to raise more capital more quickly than they might've been able to do in the past, which means that they frankly haven't had to come to us yet because they didn't need it. Now, at some point, everybody wants liquidity, and that's when the company comes to the public market. But that could be many, many years. In fact, some companies never come public, but there are many of these kind of e-commerce, the unicorns are usually, their whole plan is how they ultimately will take it to the public market. Now, don't get me wrong, there are very big private companies. I think about like Fidelity Investments is an example of a very big private company that just never went public. They just don't want it. But mostly, especially in the technology space, what we have is companies whose whole goal is to get to the place where they can do an IPO and go public, where they can raise legitimate cash that will allow them to then invest and grow even bigger, hopefully, than they already are. But when you start to look at some of these companies, so they have a lot of money that they got from investors who got the money cheap. Interest rates have come up about one percentage point since they were a year ago. So now the cost of borrowing has gone up for, you know, most people that are borrowing on um, either borrowing on margin or borrowing on a revolving line of some court, whether it's tied to their house or tied to their business. And so the opportunity cost of that money is they're paying more to do the financing. And the markets have been really resilient. So they've been able to make money in other investments that aren't, aren't quite as concentrated or illiquid. And so the true opportunity cost is what they could have done with that money if they didn't have it in this company. So eventually what happens is all investors eventually want to be able to get some liquidity and the cost of carrying the debt and having their money invested in this one company has to be measured against what else they could do with the money. So as they're marching along these different trenches and raising money, they're coming with the idea that at some point in time, they're going to become a public company. Right now, in America, there are over 280 of these unicorns. 280 companies sounds more like a stampede of horses than a unicorn. There are lots and lots of big companies out there that are waiting to come to the public market, and there are a few really big names this year. So Lyft, as of this recording, is currently trading somewhere between $58 and $59 a share, and it went public at like, oh, I don't know, $20 a share more than it is right now. And it's been kind of getting hammered every single week. It seems like the price is on the decline. So even though it was a unicorn 
And it was an exciting IPO, and people were talking about what this ride-sharing will mean over time and how it will disrupt everything else, which, of course, is one of those other buzzwords everybody likes to talk about, this idea that it's companies disrupting the way people make decisions. The reality is Lyft, Lyft loses about $4 every time it has a ride because it has to compete with prices with Uber, significantly bigger player, and it has to take the risk of figuring out how to lure people away from the history of taking taxis. I won't say the preference because I'm not sure anybody prefers a taxi, but what I'll say is people understand it. They're comfortable with it. They feel like they're further away. They put a boundary between themselves and the driver and they're used to it. Now, Uber is also going to come public later this year and they'll have their own story. But what we're starting to see is that some of these big quote unicorn companies that are coming to market are actually making a decision to price down their IPO in order to make sure that what happened to Lyft doesn't happen to them. Good example of that is Pinterest. Now, Pinterest made a decision to reduce its IPO price, mostly to make sure that they avoided the bad track of starting too hot and then having to pull back later. Now, you should know when they made this decision, they made a decision to accept less money in the early funding in order to provide a smoother launch for their stock. Their stock launched at $19, and it's jumped 14.77% on Monday. Now, it's been going up every single day since its IPO price in April, and it's now up 75% from that price. So that's the tale of two different unicorns, one that was priced into a market where it could gain momentum, and one that was priced into a market where it gained decline. Two companies, both quote unicorns, both interesting. Many people think about these new economy as exciting and a great way to invest in it. But frankly, not all unicorns are as beautiful as they sound. If you're somebody that likes the idea of taking advantage of a new company coming to market, you need to do more research than any other investor because there's a lot less investment information available for a company that's not yet public. In fact, we don't really have a good sense of what their financials look like until they're going through the traditional 10K quarterly reporting. It makes sense if you're not an investor that wants to play hard and risk losing it all, that you wait, no matter how hot and exciting that IPO might be in the beginning, that you give it six months or a year till they start to get out regular reporting and regular analyst reviews before you consider adding it to your portfolio. But I know there are unicorn hunters out there, people that wanna buy these stocks and wanna own this new and upcoming market when it comes to market. So what I would say to you is, just be careful and make sure you're not buying a herd of horses. Until we speak again. Thanks for listening to KT's Money Matters with KT Thomas. For more information, past episodes, and show notes, go to www.ktsmoneymatterspodcast.com. Make sure you subscribe and recommend it at iTunes, Overcast, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.